What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is brought to you by DeMarini. Are you ready to join the uprising? More than 150 programs around the nation have, including back-to-back Division I and II national champions, Oregon State and Tampa, and Division III national champion Keene. Log on to demarini.com backslash dnation and check out the Voodoo Minus 3 to see why the SC3 alloy is the most powerful and durable performance alloy on the market. It gives you the pop you need to get along because chicks don't dig the ground ball. The Uprising, coming to a ballpark near you. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Uh, I'm going to do a little honorary Alan Matthews radio voice later on today, so look out for that here on the podcast. Podcast at BaseballAmerica.com is the email. We got an email from a... Darren, who was up at 2.15 a.m., trying to get his college baseball Jones. He got so excited, he sent in an email to the podcast. We want to read yours next week here on the Baseball America College Podcast. Aaron, it was almost a ho-hum weekend in college baseball. One of the most chalk weekends in college baseball, and yet there's plenty to chew on here in the college podcast. Uh, what, was, what was the story of the weekend, though, for you? Was it the fact that the top series coming into the weekend really did kind of live up to its billing as, in terms of being a good, competitive, important series out in uh, San Diego. Yeah, that was a big series, John, and, and it was. Uh, uh, I think it went about the way you'd expect a two to one series. Uh, the, I think that I think the better team won in San Diego, and, and they really they clinched themselves a berth in the uh, West Coast Conference Championship Series already. So uh, that was a big week, a big series. But in my mind, really, the story of this weekend is LSU now um, getting back into the top twenty-five for the first time all year. Um, you know, after a lengthy absence here. And, and this is a team that is, is just red hot right now, having swept uh, South Carolina last weekend and then going on the road this weekend to Kentucky where the Wildcats were 25-2 and two at home heading into this series. Tigers go in there and, and sweep Kentucky. So That was amazing, really. And, uh, Kentucky, like you said, have been so effective at home. And just uh, you have to be happy for Pulmonary, one of the good guys in the college game, uh, to see uh, you know LSU, which is – you know. We wrote last year about the declining powers and those, some of those teams, like what are their roadmaps to getting back? And Southern California has gotten lost a little bit on the way. They're under 500, last place in the Pac-10. That'll be a rant for later in the show. But LSU starting to turn that corner, it looks like, Aaron. And let's, yeah. let's focus a little bit on the Southeastern Conference, which is just a, a muddle, a puddle of muddle in the SEC this year. Fully eight teams with between 11 and 13 losses in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Now, Kentucky, after getting swept at home, 13 losses in the SEC, only 14 overall, so one non-conference loss. And Aaron, they're tied for last in the SEC East. Let, let's talk about the SEC 
with what really matters, uh, not the not the rankings, but what really matters, regionals. What do you see for the Southeastern Conference uh, come regional time? Who, who, who's for? Let's let's start off with the easy part. Who for sure is in well, in the Southeastern Conference? We know we know Georgia's in. I we think know we know Georgia. That. I think is probably in really good shape for national seed right now. Uh, they're the only team in that league who's who's really been consistent. Uh, Seventeen and six in the SEC. When you look at what everyone else is doing. Pretty remarkable, I think. It is. It, it, they have been so consistent. I don't think they've lost a conference series, have they? They I mean, did last weekend. Oh, they did last weekend. That's right. right. Hello. So, I mean, that just shows you it's a pretty topsy-turvy league. Even just last weekend, they lost conference series. But uh, Vanderbilt uh, clearly is in and, and is, is probably put itself back into the discussion to host. Right now, in fact, I mean, I, I would say that they probably will host. I think, that, I think so. I think on, on last weekend, um, or last week rather, when we did our, our, our latest regional projection, um, we did not have Vanderbilt hosting. We had South Carolina hosting. And then I, I thought about Kentucky as maybe the third team to host right. uh, out of the SEC and ended, I, up, ended I, up giving that spot to Oregon State. Well, we know Oregon State now is not going to host. It's just not going to happen for Bad them. weekend for the O-State Ballers. Getting, uh, getting swept so far with a Monday game to come against Washington State. I think South Carolina is still in the mix to host, but I think Vanderbilt uh, has put itself in much better position. So uh, South Carolina uh, and Vanderbilt obviously are both in. I think Florida is certainly in. Um, you know, and, and after that, I think last week I would have said LSU was very much on the bubble, even after beating South Carolina. For even getting into the tournament, right? Yeah. I agree. And, and now I think they're, they're in really good shape. I mean, they're, they're sitting there on top of the SEC's Western Division uh, by a half game over Ole Miss and, and Alabama, and, and, uh, and they've got some signature wins now, and, and not just series wins, but sweeps. I mean, that's just huge. And one of them being on the road to me yeah. is that that's the other part that is signature. To go on the road... Yeah. And sweep Kentucky really was a significant statement. And LSU has a good closing schedule here, Aaron. It's very winnable. Mississippi State is incredibly down. Uh, Their RPI is in the hundreds. I don't think I've ever seen an SEC team with an RPI as low as Mississippi State's. And I think it's going to affect the rest of the league. Uh, When it comes down, when push comes to shove, their conference RPI is going to be dragged down significantly by Mississippi State relative to what usually happens. A lot of times, you're having the 12th place team in the SEC with a 70 or 80 RPI at worst. You're talking about 123rd. That bottom team kind of cancels out teams up up top. It's, I, I, but here's I, the, I might be overstating it, Aaron, but I do think that's significant for the rest sure. of the SEC picture. And then LSU at Auburn, I think that's a winnable series for them. And you know what, they've also, I should mention that they've, they've also beaten their local rivals uh, midweek. They beat Tulane. They swept the season series, in fact, against Tulane. And they also beat Louisiana Lafayette last week. So, uh, But back to the SEC in general, John, I think that um, this is a league that lacks really um, a lot of elite teams. I think even last year it probably had more elite teams. Vanderbilt and, and South Carolina was kind of an elite team. Yeah, and, but Vanderbilt you know, was clearly... I mean, they dominated the regular season. Right. They dominated the SEC tournament. They were the best team in the SEC last year, clearly. The best team, really, in the nation during the regular season. So yeah. this year, I mean, after Georgia, which even has its warts, so they've lost three weekend series, uh, you know, they, this league is just it's just wide open. And, and here's the thing is I still think they get more than the five bids they got last year. I think oh, for get, sure. I think, you know, because, first of all, a lot of other places around the country are down. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that 
the SEC could will get seven and maybe eight teams into the uh, NCAA tournament. Well, that's that is the upshot. I, I really do think. I think Georgia's in. I think Vanderbilt's in. I think barring collapse and catastrophe, South Carolina's in. Like if South Carolina didn't win a game the rest of the year, they might be in trouble. I mean, the same could be that's true for a lot of teams. I think Georgia's pretty much in though. There are they're 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 non conference schedules. You're right. Anybody loses out completely, they're in trouble. But uh, Florida has a pretty high RPI. It's not a gaudy record of twenty eight and eighteen, but. 13 and 11 in the league. Hey, they're tied for third in the league. To yep. me, they're likely in. Yep. Um, LSU, I think, is likely in. And not yep. only in, Aaron, I think they could host. Uh, if they finish strong and win those last two series, they win the SEC West, and they just don't crap out in the SEC tournament, with their fan base, their financial history in the SEC tournament, if the committee has a close call, the ball, the team that's trying to send out one of the most famous ballparks, not one of the nicest, right. but one of the most famous ballparks in college baseball. One with all that history, with Skip Bertman having just retired as AD, send the whole thing out with a bang, with a regional, one last regional Alex Box Stadium. And financially, LSU, we know, can make that work. It's a great point. The bubble teams, to me, are Kentucky. I think Tennessee has slipped off the bubble. 25 and 23 overall, I think they're on the wrong side of the yeah. bubble here. Agreed. For sure. Ole Miss is on the bubble, and... If they don't play well, they're not going to get in. I mean, it's, it's pretty John, I think easy to say. I think they've now lost, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, six weekend series. I believe they're five and six now on weekends, uh, which to me is just... Uh, it's not good. It's not good at all. And, no, it's really and, you not. Know, they still have a better overall record than a team like Tennessee. And they're still, what, 31 and 19, I think, overall. But, right. Uh, but this team is has been... One of the biggest disappointments in the country this year. Yeah, they've lost five series for sure, and they're still home to Auburn at Kentucky. I think they'll probably put they'll probably split those two series. Say so they go three and three in those games. They're fifteen and fifteen in the SEC. They're probably they in. still get in. But this is a three seed we're talking about now, not a number three team overall in the country like they were in the preseason. I mean, it's they're and not that, as that doesn't mean they're not dangerous in the postseason, but Correct. they got to get there first. That's the key here. And that's the other point of that is you know they're not as bad as UCLA, but they're close. Yeah. Uh, let's let's face it, our preseason top three. All three of those teams have, in our minds, significantly underperformed. UCLA, Arizona, Ole Miss. Uh, all three of those teams. You can't Actually, just I believe Vanderbilt was three, Ole Miss was four. Ole Miss was four. All right. Well, one, two, and four <laughs> have underperformed. Um, Alabama. Is Alabama in? They're on the bubble. Their RPI is in the low 60s last Here's I checked. Here's the problem with Alabama is, is they do have the lowest RPI of these bubble teams we're talking about. And if you look at their closing stretch, John, I think they've got probably a tougher road to hoe here. The, you know, uh, the Florida, Florida and, at Georgia. and at Georgia. I mean, but then again, I didn't think that they would win that series at Arkansas. So I think that was a big series win for them. That really puts them back, certainly, in the discussion. And if they make it to Hoover, you know, they, they maybe they probably do get in. They've won three straight conference series to get back into the discussion. you got to give them that. Yep. Uh, they did beat Ole Miss head-to-head in a series. And they did beat Vanderbilt uh, head-to-head in a series. So they do have a couple of decent series wins. Non-conference is rough. Uh, they did beat Dallas Baptist. That's probably their best non-conference win. But one and two against Cal Poly, not so hot, um, especially because Cal Poly season has really kind of gone downhill. So I think the, I think the main point is, and we've, we've gone a little in detail, a little in depth here on the Southeastern Conference, I even think Arkansas is in the discussion. Auburn is probably on the wrong side of it. But yeah. to me, the only SEC team that's completely eliminated from the discussion is Mississippi State, and that's the way the SEC usually is. It's a deep league, right. and I agree with you. Last year was a really the anomaly. I think they're going to get back to seven or eight teams this year in the in the uh, regionals, and I don't think it's a good year in the league. But it's not as down a year as it was last year. It's the Baseball right. America podcast. He's Aaron Fit. He's the actual expert. I'm John Manuel. I'm the I'm the loudmouth. 
I'm going to give you a little Alan Matthews impersonation later coming up in the podcast. Aaron, uh, the uh, let's talk a little bit about the other power conferences that are out there. The Atlantic Coast Conference, I think the, the story of the weekend is Clemson. Clemson really just can't get its act together. And boy, they were in position there, John, to win that game on, on uh, Saturday, the first game of that series. And, uh, you know, and they came from behind and they forced extra innings and they just... They're just not they're just not winning the games that that you know that they they need to win. It's a young team and they just don't know how to win right now. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that Clemson's continued struggles, twenty four and twenty two overall, ten and fifteen in the league. I don't think they're going to get in. I think the ACC I, I is going to get six bids. I don't think it's a seven bid league. They've got to go to Georgia Tech, their last conference series. Georgia Tech's playing well. The Yellow Jackets coming off a series win against Coastal Carolina. Right. And they have to go to Central Florida. That's other news of the weekend. Central Florida firing Coach Jay Bergman. Some pretty outlandish accusations made in the Orlando Sentinel uh, that were responded to by Jay Bergman's uh, attorney. You've blogged about that. We're not going to sit here and podcast on Jay Bergman's status, but a uh, guy who won more than 1,000 games with the ballparks named after him. He certainly had a long and uh, productive career as a college baseball coach. But the point is, those aren't gimmies. Clemson's got to go on the road. And Furman, who they play in midweek, and College of Charleston, those are two of the best three teams in the Southern Conference. So I just don't see how Clemson makes it. I really don't. I don't see how they make it. They're in trouble right now. And, and uh, you know, this, this is something we'll talk a little bit about today in, in three strikes. Uh, I think Clemson and, and Southern Cal are two teams that we thought, you know, could, could still have a shot last week in the regional projection that I think are, are probably on the wrong side of the bubble now. I just don't see uh, – there's, there's not a compelling argument for Clemson. That's a, that's a shame because they've been at regionals every year since 1987, and I think college baseball it's, – it's good for college baseball when big brand names are in the postseason. Clemson is certainly a big brand name. But right now, uh, like we wrote about when they had the Duke fiasco, uh, this just been that kind of year for them. They just can't catch a break. So Georgia Tech – very important, I think, for the ACC this weekend that Georgia Tech went and won a series against Coastal Carolina, Aaron, just because Coastal Carolina has had a, a lot of success against the ACC this year. Right. So it hurts Coastal's, in my mind, chances of being a number one seed, RPI or not. Right. It's a late series loss. It's not going to look great on the resume. But it's, it's a, by far the best wins, in my mind, the best series win on, on Georgia Tech's resume. Yeah, it really is. And that's the thing about Georgia Tech is they're 12-12 and in the league, but Really, all their series, all of those wins have come against the uh, the bottom half of the, the league, and that's the thing about the ACC is, yeah, it's got some really, really good teams at the top, but uh, it's got a much more significant bottom than than the SEC or the Big Twelve or the Pac Ten. So it's, yeah, absolutely. it's capable for these teams in the middle, like Virginia and Georgia Tech, uh, and, and to a lesser degree even NC State, to rack up wins against uh, those those other teams. And, and and even if they don't win this, the series against the best teams, they're still in pretty good shape. And we were talking the other week about the West Coast Conference and how there's only two teams in the eight-team WCC that were under 500. The, SC, the ACC has three teams at 500 or below. you got BC at 24 and 24, and that's after winning four straight. you got Wake Forest with a losing record. you got Virginia Tech with a losing record. you got some truly bad teams in the ACC. Maryland's 26 and 24, but not really a good team, not playing well. And Duke, with a gaudy overall record, no non-conference losses, but that's really mostly due to schedule and yeah. not due to... Uh, Duke is improved, but they're, it's not a regional they're team. They're a really good defensive team, John. I think Duke is, is among the, the national leaders in, in uh, fielding percentage, which to me is a major indicator of, uh, of the coaching job that they've done over there. They do the fundamental things very well. That's but, a great point. But they're certainly not a regional team. They just don't have the arms. Nope. They don't have the arms yet at Duke University, as uh, Billy Packer would say. It's the Baseball America podcast. He's Aaron. I'm John. 
Uh, Aaron, the other part of the top 25 that it, that was really difficult this week was the back. Uh, we really had a hard time figuring out who's going to get in the back of the top 25. We debated a lot of Conference USA teams. So let's touch on the Conference USA race a little bit with regard to regionals. CUSA with Rice in the top 25 at number 7. Rice was off for exams. No other Conference USA team in the top 25 at this time, Aaron. But I think we both feel this is a league that's going to send five teams, yeah. at the very least four and we think both five to regionals. Yeah, I think so. And, and East Carolina, Tulane, and Southern Miss all have cases to be in the top 25, and we discussed all three of them and, and ended up deciding we can't really differentiate these teams. The only team that, for me, lags a little bit behind maybe is Southern Miss because they did lose head-to-head to East Carolina and Tulane, Right. although they also swept Houston, which beat East Carolina and Tulane. So this, right. is, a, this is a league that, after Rice, you've got four good, solid teams that are – pretty much indistinguishable as far as their resumes. I think that uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, I, I think that East Carolina and it will probably have the most firepower to these teams. I think yep. Tulane's probably got a little bit better pitching for me. Shooter Hunt, of course, is yep. probably the best He's a difference maker. He's, He's a, a difference, difference maker, maker between all these teams for me is Shooter Hunt. And and they've gotten they've gotten good pitching from, from other guys in that rotation as well. Robbie Roach in particular, the yep. freshman who's come in. So, Great point. Uh, I, I do think that, that Tulane and East Carolina are probably – uh, capable of, of winning a regional. Southern Miss, I, I do think, is going to need to get a little healthier if they want to win a regional. I mean, give them credit for uh, continuing to, to play well, you know, even without uh, with Barry Bowden and, and Trey Sutton and these these key guys with them banged up. But, um, you know, I, I think that – I just don't think that they've got as much upside as, as East Carolina and Tulane. That's a really tough league to figure out, and that's why we just didn't put any of these teams in, uh, into the top 25. Because, again, how do you pick out from any of these, from any of these clubs? But – you have to give Southern Miss uh, a little give credit, a lot of credit. Uh, for, like you said, just battling through what they've done. And they have the most ups and the most downs. Uh, you know, boy, it would it'd be a little bit easier to rank them. I think they would have been ranked for most of this year if they'd gone to Fullerton and just won one of those games. But they got swept. It was a, you know, Fullerton's not the most talented Fullerton team. It's a very scrappy team, and a team that's, in my mind, is overachieving a little bit. And as you expect, with a team that's that young, they're getting better as the season goes on, and Fullerton's really on a roll. So it's a pretty darn good offense. It's, it's a really good team right now. Um, Kamatsu, Fellauer, this is a good team. Uh, when, in, in early March, when Southern Miss had them, they had a chance, and they didn't win that series. They didn't even win a game. To me, they win one or two games in that series. They've been, they would have been in our top 25 all year because they, they have swept Rice. I mean, I swept that. They did win a series at Rice. The first team in Conference USA to do that. They did beat UCF when UCF was going good. They did uh, you know, win that series uh, against Houston. Like you said, they swept Houston. But not winning the series against ECU and not winning against Tulane, uh, just like you said, the difference between those, those, three, those four teams, really, Houston, Tulane, ECU, Southern Miss, is a dime's worth of difference to me. All four of those teams are two seeds. Yeah. They're all going to go out, and all four of those teams, in my mind, are capable of winning a regional, Aaron. But they're going to have to get some breaks. And, you know, to me, those are all, those are all two seeds that, like, I a see, Big 12 team. If you're Houston, they're going to be a two-seed somewhere in the Big 12. I see Houston right now as probably being a three-seed. They need a little bit of work to do to get back to a two-seed, but they got a shot. They're certainly in a discussion. And, and and the thing is, all these teams have a guy. I mean, you got Wes Music at Houston. He's pretty doggone good. I mean, this guy could give you a chance against any team in the country. So, And really, I think at this point, John, I think Tulane is probably still kind of in three-seed range, too. Both these teams, RPI-wise, are a little bit low. They're more like in the 50 or 45 range. You're right. So, I mean, I, you know, I think East Carolina and, and Southern Miss are probably two-seed. Those other teams, I think, have work to do. Houston and Tulane, both at 50 and 51, as a matter of fact, uh, in the Boyd's World RPIs, um, which I think pretty much everyone uses because the uh, ACC, the uh, the NCAA 
is so uh, blasé about updating its top yeah. its RPI rankings. Once uh, a week. We'll get to them once a week here if you want. Uh, no big deal. But uh, I do think Conference USA, like you said, the main point of all this is uh, this is a team with only one top 25 team, but it's definitely a, fi- a four or five bid league at the very least. In that respect, I think it's a little bit similar to the SEC in that it's only got really one dominant team and then a, just a, a model. And, the, and the, the, the same is true, I think, of the Big West and the Pac-10 in a way. The, big, the Pac-10 has more teams at the top, more elite teams. Yeah. The Big West, to me, Aaron, there's, you know, it's hard to call Irvine an elite team when they're 8-7 and seven in their league. Yeah. I mean, right. it's just yeah, absolutely right. It's just hard to do. We have them ranked high. I think Irvine's really good. Certainly, I think UC, UC Irvine deserves its ranking. Um, and they do have a chance to really make some hay the rest of the season. Pacific at UC Davis, UC Santa Barbara. That's the thing is they got the, the hardest part, I think, of their conference schedule out of the way early. Although that, that trip to UC Davis is not uh, moves be as, as something that, that will be a little bit challenging. And everyone else in the league has basically swept Northridge, and they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a problem well, for Irvine. I mean, Northridge has been – they're not Pacific. Pacific has two wins in the league. But how many bids does this league get, you think, Aaron? Is this a four-bid league? Is it a five-bid league? I think it's four. I think – uh, how about Riverside? 16-25 overall, but right. 10 wins in the league. That is amazing. Right, and, and they're not going to get in because they're not going to get that, that overall record back over 500, and there's no conference tournament in this league. So uh, really, I mean, it's... They have to win out, basically, to win the league in the outright in the regular season. If they win in the regular season outright, uh, then they, they get the automatic bid. Right. But the likelihood of them doing that, uh, you know, catching Fullerton, which is they, they're, they're, it's a push in losses, but in wins... Uh, Cal State Fullerton has the lead, and Cal State Fullerton did win the head-to-head. So it's uphill for Riverside, but you got to give credit to that staff for Absolutely. rallying that team from early season injuries and, and poor start. Yeah, and, and but I think you know I think Davis to me is the fourth team in this league. I think it's Fullerton, Long Beach, Irvine, and Davis. And, and Long Beach right now is a tough team to get a read on. They're, they're certainly a regional team, but they've been uh, disappointing here down in the second half of the season. And, and losing that series to UC Davis uh, certainly was a major blow to their their chances of winning that league. Yeah, I just can't figure out Long Beach State. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say about them. I think I mean, they're, you know what, John, is is they're a team that is a very good pitching team, generally a pretty good, you know, defensive team, but offensively they're just not great. You know, they're, they're going to scrap the score runs. It's their MO, it's been, been that all season long. Sometimes, you know, they're going to get hot, and, they're, they're, and you know, they're going to have all those components clicking, and they're going to win a lot of games, but other times... I mean, if you don't have a dominant offense, it does make you vulnerable. Uh, that's that's well said. Uh, speaking of dominant offenses, Arizona State, number three in the country, goes to UCLA, wins a conference series. They win it without Ike Davis, who in my mind was the Pac-10 Player of the Year coming in to the week, but he got hurt. Uh, I've heard hamstring. I've heard, what did you hear again? Strained rib muscle. Strained rib muscle. Um, he missed, uh, well, he didn't start the last five games. So for them to go on the road, win that series, couple of uh, really uh, slugfest. Brandon Crawford comes out of the bullpen in a 7-7 game for UCLA on Sunday. And I'll tell you, that was out. very interesting because he came in. He came into a uh, first and third situation in a tie ball game with one in out. And, in the I believe in the eighth. And he got out of it without any damage. Didn't allow any runs. Uh, but then uh, they got to him in the ninth. Setting up some more heroics. But Brandon Crawford, you got to give him this guy credit. He started the season horribly. And you know there's a lot of pressure on him from scouts. And he's tried to rally. He's competed I like his compete tool. Absolutely. But uh, UCLA, I'm not so hot on their compete tool, 24-20, and 7-8 and overall. But, you know, they, they, they give them credit, John. They sure did compete this weekend. They didn't win the series. They did. But they, they, had, they had, you know, leads on 
late on Friday and Sunday. They really could have won the series. You're right. It's easier to bang on them. You're right, though. They, they actually have played better as the season's gone on. They just can't get over that They hump. just don't. You know what the problem is for them? I think their, their biggest problem is their, their pitching has been disappointing, particularly in the bullpen. They do not have the kind of pitching depth that we thought they would have in the preseason. I mean, they've had a – I don't want to make excuses for them, but they have had a couple of injuries. That have, right. They got Rasmussen back this weekend. He pitched this weekend. so that, that's, that's a key development for them. I don't know if it's too late to make a difference. They've really got to get hot down the stretch here. But it was a big weekend in the Pac-10. Arizona State and Stanford are in. They're for sure in. Arizona, they're, they're three and six in our ranking. We dropped Stanford. Stop losing the midweek already. Show some semblance of pitching depth, and they didn't do that. They just don't have it, John. They're they not going to show you a semblance of pitching depth. Maybe they won't, Aaron. We disagree on Stanford. Uh, Washington, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, really. They've played a kind of a soft schedule all year, but uh, in the Pac-10, they were just five and seven, muddling along, and then boom, they go and they sweep uh, Southern Cal at Southern Cal uh, once again. Stop me if you've heard this one before. The Trojans in a tailspin late uh, in the season, but how about you, Dub, at eight and seven, now third in the league? Cal's nine and nine. How many teams does this league get, Aaron? Here's the thing that kills Washington, John. Their RPI RPI is not good. RPI is 98. Suckers of the side, I know you hate my 98, I believe is uh, how Chuck D would have put that uh, 20 years ago. Can I count on you for the uh, the old school? The 20-year-old rap reference, yes. Uh, But uh, I love that song. Somewhere Mad Myers is is chuckling to himself. Yeah, probably on the treadmill. I know that would be Will (laughs) Kimmy. But um, but it's it's a huge series win for Washington. Washington, again... Like you said, their chances of making getting a regional bid are tough. But but here's and here's the thing is they you know they've got to finish strong because of that RPI. They've got to, if they finish in the top half of the league, you know, or, or with a, with a five hundred or better record, yeah, I think they've got a real good case despite Especially the RPI the because it's the Pac-10. But here's the thing: they've got a huge, huge series this weekend against Washington State. At least they've got it at home. If they win that series, I think they're in pretty good shape. But the last two weekends at Arizona State and home against Stanford, um, you know, it's it's not an easy road. So they've, they've, I think the, the series against Washington State is just crucial for them. Yeah, that, I think that's a big, that's the, that's the biggest Washington-Washington State series I can think of because Wazoo has just won a series at Oregon, I mean, against Oregon State. The final game is Monday. They could sweep Oregon State. Uh, their, their conference record is not good. Let's say they lose today. Let's say they win two of three against Oregon State. I think that's realistic. Uh, they'd be 24-20, and 5-10 and 10 in the league. They still have three conference series left. Washington State's RPI is pretty got doggone a much stronger high. RPI than uh, last I does. checked, it was 21. It is 21. Washington State could be a regional team. And, and, but, this is, and here's one other thing, John, is the committee has shown is not afraid to take teams that finish lower in the Pac-10. Correct. And, and you know, and this happened to Cal. I think the last two the last years. two years they they, they, they finished uh, ahead of Oregon State last year, and they and they got skipped over. So I do think that could happen to Washington this year. So the thing, is, and that could happen to Washington, especially if Washington State. Is one of the teams that's behind them in the conference, but finishes strong, right. and especially if Washington State wins the head-to-head. So Washington State's got watching one more game against Oregon State, then at Washington, then at UCLA, home to Southern Cal. That's not an easy road. If they win three of those four series and they're like ten and fourteen in the league, and their RPI is still in that twenty range, they could get in. So for me, Aaron, uh, you know, Oregon State's a bubble team. I mean, they're. They're barely over 500, but they, I don't, they'll I don't get think, the benefit of the doubt, though. Right. I, I don't think they're a bubble team because they've got a, a higher RPI than any of these teams. I think uh, uh, they're going 26, 26. They actually slipped this weekend, but but they uh, but you know they, still. I mean, they've got they've got some really good. Oh, 26 is still good, <laughs> and they've got some really good uh, series wins under their belt. And yeah, their their overall record is what's what's 
bogging them down right now. But but this is the most muddled league. It's not even close. Arizona State and Stanford are the only teams in my mind that are sure to be in. Cal has, in my mind, should be in. They're a lock for me, but they've been skipped the last two years there, and I don't think anyone at Cal is feeling comfortable. But that was a huge series win for them this weekend right. against Arizona. I think after winning that series against Arizona, I think they're safe. I mean, but uh, I, th- I think Washington, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, and even the eighth place team, Washington State. I think all eight of those teams have a case to make for getting in and can get in. I think this is a six bid league. I think you think it's a five bid league. I, you know, I thought it was a six bid league all year long. Right now, I do think it's probably looking like five because, again, you know, <laughs> there's no team here that that's stepping up and showing that it wants that sixth bid. I mean, I thought Southern Cal was in position to do it, uh, and and they've done quite the opposite. They've done quite the opposite. Um, I think you know Arizona's RPI is in the top twenty. It's like fifteen or sixteen. Um, I, I you know so I, I think that Arizona, barring collapse, is going to get in. I think Arizona, Arizona, Cal, Stanford, Arizona State. To me, those are the four teams that are in the best shape. I think. I still think, and you got Washington State, and I think it's going to be hard to leave Washington State out if they can. But they have to take care of business on the field. That's the thing, John, is that I, frankly, I mean, I think that they could, they could win the rest of those but series. You don't have. Faith I don't in think them that out. they will. I think. I think that's not a unfair thing to say. Washington State's pitching is pretty iffy. Uh, they really did it with offense this weekend against Oregon State, which is you know, probably the best arms in the Pac-10, other than Arizona. Is at Oregon State, uh, but I, I, I give credit to Washington State for they do have the plus compete tool. Their resume is a little shy in the Pac-10. It's hard to you know, look at five and nine in the league and think that's all that great. But there's a team that went to Oklahoma and won three or four. They have a sweep or three or four, I think, against uh, Kent State, which has gotten extremely hot. It's probably going to win the MAC or shown itself in my mind to be the best team in the MAC. Yeah. Um, you know, series winning against Creighton. Uh, to me, you're looking at Washington State as a team that was. An example of the whole, they're to be almost a microcosm of the Pac-10. Against the rest of the country, they've been very, very good. In the league, it's been very, very tough, and they just don't quite have the pitching to uh, excel at the top of this league. But they kind of control their own destiny, and for me... Oh, they absolutely control their own destiny. For me, this league, as good as this league has been against the rest of the country, should be a, a six-bid league. Should like, be and somebody will be two to, different things, I you're, think. you're right, someone has to step forward. I guess I'm wondering if the committee will step forward and take a deserving 6th Pac-10 team. You, you can be sure Pat Murphy will, will argue vociferously on their behalf. But, I'm not sure uh, if that's good or bad. <laughs> I'm not sure if that helps or hurts in the uh, in the greater scheme of things. But uh, the top 25 will be posted, uh, should be already, already online at BaseballAmerica.com. Three strikes, Aaron Fitz chat, uh, the draft preview issue is this issue. I don't think we could uh, cram more stuff into this uh, month, Aaron, uh, if, we, if we tried. I never even gave you the Alan Matthews impersonation, but we're going to go ahead and sign off the podcast as our phones are both ringing off the hood. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.